Telling you, bro. It's been happening, bro. Uh, not too much. Still hitting more Peggyos. Hey everybody, how's it going? Thanks again for tuning in to the Riff Raff. What, I don't even know which number this is. God, it's 20 something now. Anyway, I'm sorry I haven't done done an episode in a while. I've actually been busy in the studio working with a few different artists, so I try to do these as time permits. It's getting harder and harder, but thank you always for your comments and your kind ratings and all the love, all the emails I get constantly. My guest today is my man Oz Noy. For those of you that don't know, Oz is just a ridiculously great guitar player. He's from Israel. He's been in New York City for 20 years. He's built up a big, nice resume of, um, you know, sideman credits and studio things, but it's his solo material that is particularly gratifying to listen to to me and most people that's what i know him as and here's a guy who's playing with the creme de la creme of musicians in the world rhythm sections he being a part of that for sure and touring all over the world doing his own things very very cool not easy to do it's got some instructional videos and, and nine solo records we actually tried to do this interview a few weeks before the one that you're going to hear we, we did it actually just I don't know I wasn't happy with the way it came out audio was messed up on it so uh, got together again the much improved version that you'll soon hear this was a particularly stressful day for me because I was doing a uh, three night thing at the Iridium and uh, I ran up to Oz's apartment on the Upper West Side and knocked it out really quick so I think it came out pretty good though Oz plays great we'll trade off by the way I'm on the right side and Oz is on the left side guitar wise and we'll talk about all kinds of stuff New York City his career early years influences state of the blues gear paddles all that kind of stuff and I hope you'll enjoy it walking into Oz's he's got all kinds of great amps and guitars and I plug into one of his uh it's a I don't know a Fender Deluxe or a Princeton or something whatever you want to play sounds great Oz plugs in here we go hope you enjoy what was that oh it's a blues it's a yeah it's just a blues in a D
Thank <laughs> you. 
<laughs> you know, the tempo went down after a couple of choruses. Of that's cool. That's one of your tunes, right? Kinda coming together. <laughs> What's? Oh, it's a new one. Yeah, it's a new one from a new. Uh, I'm recording a new album now, so Boogaloo Bo- album. Boogaloo. You got me. All right, on. here we are, part two, Oz. Yeah. Thanks for doing this again. Take two. <laughs> we were. I, I, this is actually better. I'm sitting in New York City with Oz Noy at his apartment, and I'm having deja vu because we did this. A month ago, not even a month ago. A couple of weeks ago. But there were some uh, audio, dis- you know, uh, discrepancies here and there. So I, I it, it was too we good. We decided to, we can do it better. Hell yeah, better man! Take. I'm not going to put out <laughs> bullshit with you on it. You know, it's got to be a certain level, man. Yeah. You know. Let's see. Forgive me if I ask you some of the same shit. I forgive you. <laughs> You're not the first one. <laughs> but to I got ask a lot of stuff I want to ask you. New stuff too. Yeah, let's do it. So, so anyway, man. Like I said this last time, I think it's worth saying again. It's what the hell's in the water in Israel, man? Because you oh, and yeah. who else? There's like a bunch of badass guys. Yeah, a lot that, of guys, yeah. Jazz guys, especially. Actually, today, there's not only jazz guys. There's like guys that do pop and everything. Yeah. Um, I All I know is I haven't lived there now for like 21 years. But um, all I know is that there's really, really good jazz education there now. Yeah. When I grew up, it was okay. It was good enough, but now it's really, really good. Yeah. And now with the internet and our YouTube and everything, there's you know you can get anything you want everywhere, really, right. almost everywhere, except of North Korea, probably everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. But uh, okay. yeah, so I don't know. I think it's uh, uh, good education, awareness of jazz. Yeah. You know, people like jazz over there. But the, man, you know, it's just certain. You guys have a feel too you've got all the feel you know we got the blues over there <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure it's not a new thing yeah no israel's got the freaking blues for sure <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah yeah i don't know what it is because yeah. when i grew up there <clears throat> i moved out of there in 96 so i grew up there in the 80s really you know so that was a whole other game 80s early 90s so I don't know how I got, I still got myself the usual way. You know, people brought videos from the U.S., you know, right. and I bought a lot of records. Back but, when uh, you had to learn stuff by year instead of... Yeah, I had to actually learn stuff Instead of YouTube not, with a million yeah, cats, yeah. Yeah, so that's, but I managed to somehow survive it, you know? Yeah. But there's a, there's a whole new generation that, there's a bunch of generations since me, actually, and they're all really, really good, you know? You know, last time we were talking about this cat, um, when, when I was at GIT, Scott Henderson was teaching, and the first day of school, this yes, guy yes. plugged up and played with Scott, and I was like, what the hell, man? Who is this guy? Like, yeah, I'm in Lior, the room. Lior Yakutiel. Lior, there's a, a guy. Freak. Yeah. Yeah. He's, um, I knew of him because when I was growing up, in the main channel, Israeli channel, there was a kid playing classical guitar on an extremely high level like you can find it on youtube right it's as good as anything it's really kind of profound to see him and he was like maybe 16 15 or something maybe 17 or the not even and so i remember seeing him you know and he was i, I didn't know what it is because i just started playing guitar but that was him and then he stopped playing classical guitar when maybe he was 18 yeah and he's one of those guys that has such a unique talent like he's got such an extreme talent that he could do anything and then 
he started to play jazz. And I remember one time I heard a song on the radio and I heard a solo that sounds like Holtzworth and it was him playing a solo. Wow. That sounded like freaking Holtzworth. And then he, for a minute, he was trying to go and study in the U.S. and stuff. But he's such an extreme talent. You know, so Scott, I, I talked to Scott about him many, many right. times because Lior is a friend of mine, you know. And uh, yeah, Scott was like, he's probably the most talented person I've ever met. Yeah. I agree. He's a, it's, it's really remarkable. And now he does those solo guitars on videos on YouTube. Have you I've seen, seen that? Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You know? And he just sits at home in Israel somewhere and just hangs out. I know, man. <laughs> it's kind of depressing, yeah. actually. Oh. <laughs> well, let's talk about you, man. Let's talk about but these other about cats. But enough about me. Yeah, but enough about <laughs> me. You know, I'm, I'm glad we actually did a, a little rework of this episode because I, you gave me two of your records last time we got together and yeah. I had a chance to check them out. Who Gives a Funk? Yeah, which that's is the, last slamming, studio, the last studio record I did, yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, I want to ask you a couple things about yeah. that because... I'm listening to it. I know it's going to be killer if you're playing guitar on it, but then I see, you know, Little Wing, and I'm like, usually, you know, I got to be honest. When you when you see people do Little Wing, you're like, yeah, oh, no. cool, yeah, great, another, yeah, yet yeah. another cover of Little Wing. Yeah. But yours was so hip. The the voicings behind it, yeah. and was that a keyboard thing that was going on behind it, or was the guitar doing swells behind it, or how did you? No, I think. Um... Oh, you're talking about what's on the track? I'm talking about the back track. I mean, also your your, well, I did your some, Hendrixy there's, things there, you there's were doing. There's some loopy stuff, looping stuff in the background. But um, the other thing that's in the background is there's a 12-string guitar that's tuned different. Like, it's kind of tuned in different uh, intervals. Yeah. And I play these random chords, and you put ah. a lot of reverb on it, and it sounds like this really weird kind of textural, like, uh, string section. Wow. It's cool, yeah. I've heard, I think, there's a record of um, Bill Frizzell and with Elvin, and I forgot who plays bass, maybe Dave Holland, and there's one song, maybe the first song, that he he doesn't do the same thing, but he did this thing with a 12-string guitar with a lot of reverb. It's kind of the Johnny Mitchell thing, really, you know? Yeah. And I kind of thought, I was like, wow, it's so hip, like, to put it as a pad instead of, you know, so that gave it all these kind of weird colors. And then uh, there's a couple of reharmonizations yeah man it's great and then you then you paid you know homage to the yeah yeah that but yeah. you did all these really uh, harmony like different crazy harmonics, like yeah. yeah it's really hip different course You know what happened is I used to it's kind of funny actually I never really played that tune much because it's kind of hard to play over it because it's very limiting the way the chords are moving and limits yeah. you to play a certain way and they, there was a drummer that used to call me to do jazz gigs with him or like whatever gigs 
And I used to go and play with him, and we used to just call tunes. We used to play at a bar or whatever. It was in Mosley, in Jersey. Donnie Genta, uh, that was his name, really good drummer. Hmm. And we had a vibe, you know. So I remember once we, once or twice we called Lil Wing, and I was just really loose with it because it was a jazz gig. It wasn't like playing Lil Wing in a blues bar, you know. And I started to open up. Like I was like, okay, let me different harmonies. That's how it started. That's how I kind of opened up and then he sent me a recording of it and i heard it i was like wow that's got a thing because it's all very mellow it never goes yeah. to the real rock shit too much and it's like very um textural you know so that's how the whole thing started and then actually i recorded little wing on twisted blues volume one mm. which was like a record from five years ago mm -hmm. six years ago but we didn't get it right so i had i ch took I re-recorded some of it. I re-recorded drums again because the, it wasn't the right thing. And then I think I, I, when I re-recorded the drums, I did my guitar again, at least the solo. And then I kind of put it together in a way where it works. So to answer your question, it took me a while till I figure out a way where I can actually put it on a It's record. hip, man. It's refreshing to hear. I think a lot of people kind of yeah. missed it because it's like, you know, I think it's a pretty unique way yeah. of playing the song, you know what I mean? So, yeah. So, I don't know. At least yeah. I gave it a different angle, you know? Absolutely. When it's not like the usual thing mm -hmm. that everybody's doing. I mean, last time, too, we talked about, you know, I'm kind of skipping around, but I think it's important to say again, but I was asking you when you came to New York, yeah. and you can, you don't have to go into it at length, but when when you came here, I, I, I didn't know if your intent was to just be solo artist, you know, oh, as yeah. the solo artist, or my you were doing like sessions or whatever. Was my left. intent wasn't to be a solo artist, it was to do anything, really. The yeah. solo artist thing came later. Well, it never really came, like I never thought about it. What happened is, when I moved to New York, <clears throat> I wanted to be noticed. So, I had this trio that I was already playing in Israel that was kind of doing what I'm doing till this day, really. It was taking, like... The way it started, really, if I start from the beginning, is... <clears throat> I used to be... Uh, in Israel, I used to always play jazz and rock. So I used to play with pop artists in Israel, rock artists in Israel. But I always used to do jazz gigs also, and I always used to do session work. So, from a young age, from, like, the age of 15 or 16. So... <clears throat> At a certain point, I kind of become like became like a West Montgomery clone, so I play with a thumb and the whole thing. Yeah. And then at, there was a certain point where I got I, I was people stopped calling me for jazz gigs, and I still wanted to play. So I started my own band in Israel just to be able to get gigs to play jazz. You know, I always worked on TV and did other stuff. So I started that, and then there was a bar in Tel Aviv, in the middle of Tel Aviv, but they already had a band that plays jazz. And I wanted to play, so I went to the guy. I started to jam with a couple of friends of mine and play like Robin Fortunes and mm -hmm. all kind of like more electric blues because I got into Stevie Ray Vaughan and all that stuff. So I went to the guy and I was like, hey man, what if I'm going to bring an electric band here? Would you give me a gig? And he goes like, yeah, sure. So I went there and I started to play Stevie Ray Vaughan tunes, but instrumentally. So I'll play just the grooves or oh, the melodies. Cool. Actually, maybe I even played, I don't think I played Little Wing. Maybe I did, but so, and then that kind of catched, and you know, like suddenly people started to hang out. It was kind of fun. So I've done that for a couple of months, and then I got, uh, uh, you know, like bored with it. So I started to play R&B tunes. Like I would take like Stevie Wonder or, or James Brown, and it was all instrumental, you know, it was a trio, bass, drum, guitar. So I did that for a while, and then I got bored from that, and then, 
at the time I wasn't doing that many I wasn't get called to do jazz gigs so I was like what happens if I'll just play all my jazz stuff all my West Montgomery thing or whatever just right. on those grooves and that's what I did and that's really been the concept of my band till today really you know in a way you know so when I moved to New York I already had this thing going in Israel and one of my friends that played with me there was here so I called him I was like hey man let's can we do a tape it was like a tape cassette yeah, yeah. to get a gig at the bitter end you know that yeah. and how I, I was I thought that by playing a solo guitar a solo gig when you know it's my band I'll get gigs right little did I know that when you do a solo gig and you get your name out as a solo artist nobody calls you for gigs you know because <laughs> they think about you as a solo artist but at the time I just wanted to be noticed you know yeah so I did this trio with a couple of friends and that's how I started to play the bitter end so I was playing the bitter end once a month um <clears throat> really just to play you know and then I record, they had this, they still have it. They have two mics in a room that are really nice sounding mics. And at the time they used to record to a tape. So I, I, uh, I, I had a bunch of tapes and I put a couple of tunes on a CD, you know, yeah. burn it onto a CD. Um, and um, there's a really great guitar player in New York named Mark Schulman. He's a really, really great, uh -huh. unique player, does studio work, play a lot of guys. He somehow heard the tape and he started to come to my gigs and he kind of, he was the first guy that kind of make me think that maybe I have something going on. And at some point he goes like, you got to do a record with this thing. And I've done demos of other stuff and I just tried to get pop gigs or record or really actually get any work I could, you know? Yeah. So then he told me that and he was kind of pushing me to do it. And then I went to Israel one time for a visit and I have friends of mine that has a really nice studio there, the producers. So I used to always bring them the latest thing I did. Like I used to play with Gavin DeGraw and people like that. Mm -hmm. I was like, hey, check this stuff. It was demos for Gavin before he got famous and all that stuff. So then I brought that stuff to them and some other chick singer or whatever, or other demos that I've done. And they go like, oh, yeah, that's cool. And then I, I went like, hey, listen to this. And they listened to it and they were flipped out. It goes like, man, this has got such a vibe. You should make a record out of this. Wow. So after that, I kind of went like, I was touring with Richard Bona for a year. That oh. was in 2000. I was in Richard's band and I quit the band. It, it was a kind of a rough, uh, rough touring situation with him. It was great. It was funny as hell. But so when I quit it, I kind of was back in New York kind of with nothing, you know. So I, I thought about it. I was like, yeah, hey, what the hell? Let me do this. So I called a friend of mine that had a D88. And he brought a DADA to the bitter end, like eight tracks. And we recorded like, f we recorded four shows. It was like two, I think it was two Sundays, two sets, you know? Yeah, I, yeah well, what we did is we recorded a sound check and a gig. Oh, I think that's okay. what it was. So I had four, like, takes, four shows. And then I edited on, I, that's what, that was when I got Pro Tools. I kind of edited a little bit. And that was the first record that was live, you know?
And after that, I got a record deal from a small company, Magna, Magna Carta. Magna Carta, yeah. You're but, you know, as small as they were, they gave me a budget yeah. to make real records. Like, I've done... They gave me budget to make, like, what is it? I did, like, th- four records for them. Wow. It's you like, know? now it's like, what's a budget? <laughs> $10,000 a record? Good luck with that. records and i started to get articles and guitar magazines and stuff i never really thought about it i just wanted to work in new york and play i didn't care if it was me even till this day i don't know i don't want to only play my own music mm-hmm. i want to play with other people too i like it Nah, you don't really want to do that i do <laughs> to a certain <laughs> the degree grass is I always do. greener man no but you know but i always like to do a couple different things so that's that's what happened the rest of his, his history. Yeah, I remember first hearing about you, and I was like, man, this cat's doing his own thing in New York. It's not an easy thing to do. No. And, um, yeah. Nine records later. Wow, nine. Yeah. Well, you're, and you're going on ten, then. Well, the, 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 the Ozone Squeeze, the new record with that new band yeah. that I have, that's actually the tenth. I think it's a tenth. Or nine, I can't remember. But, uh, but I'm recording now, the record I'm recording now is either the ninth or the tenth. Now, last time you were, I was asking you about the uh, sissy strut, for instance. But yeah. you, you know, um, you showed me a chart and everything. Yeah, I'm always really interested on how in how cats in a in a logistically challenging place like Manhattan is to rehearse and get together, and how oh. how guys pull it off and make it sound like you know. I've done a little bit of it, and it's not easy. But you have like multiple rhythm sections horn players well here's the thing the thing is it's a little deceiving because if you look at the first three records like i i let's say i've been a solo artist since 2001 yeah mm-hmm. like 2002 that's when the live record came out so like 15 years now or something the first couple of years i would say up to even uh maybe 2012 or something it was pretty much mostly the same guys. It's like Keith Carlock and Anton Fick play drums. There's another drummer called Rocky Bryan that mm-hmm. I use a lot here. He played on the last album. Uh, and then bass players, it's always been James Genus or Wee Lee. It's pretty much it. When I tour, I t- have to tour with other people too, you know what I mean? So Because right. it's impossible to only use these guys. Um, over the years, it's expanded mostly because... You know, I wanted to also play with other people, but, you know, I started to work with Dave Weckl a lot. So Dave kind of joined the situation. And then uh, Will doesn't tour. He had the TV show. Genus is busy sometimes. So then, you know, we did something. We did a tour with Daryl Jones. We did some tours with Jimmy Haslip. So you kinda, I kind of get these other guys to kind of join the party, but it's because you get those tours and you have to work. But the core of people that I've been working with Till the Twisted Blues Volume One, Volume Two, those records, it's been the same people. We Lee played on all my records till right. today. He's playing on a new one, you know. Right. So it's the same guys. Carlock doesn't live in New York anymore. 
Anton's been playing with me, but now it's, since the she's show, the Letterman show is over, he has um, been touring with Bonamassa. So things have changed. That's true, and I'm now I'm going to different directions too. But the first couple of records is the same guys. Yeah. Well, just just rehearsing and everything. Rehearsing man. is. I got lucky because everybody. I, I always had a room. Some somebody had a room. Like Anton had a room that you can go into. I had a situation here and there. There was always something that you can kind of yeah. get into. But I'll tell you, rehearsals were very, very short. Yeah. The way I do it is I write the tune. I, I make demos here yeah. that are very, very uh, like kind of sparse. You know, it's just like a drum beat. Yeah. That's usually the drum beat that I want. And then I usually come up with a bass part and I write those. Then I play the melody. Um, <clears throat> and then I bring it to the guys and that's it we do a short rehearsal and the rest is rehearsing live yeah. like literally we play live <laughs> I never record before I play live a bunch so that's smart yeah, so that's it how it comes together it doesn't come together in rehearsal it comes together playing live you know so that's kind of hmm. how I've been doing it it's gotten more challenging now because Manhattan's changed so yeah man it's, it's not easy harder and harder, yeah you know. just lugging my little bullshit rig to uh iridium last night was yeah lucky i could leave it there yeah. but i think it's funny to go to 55 bar and go in you know mike's got his like that ancient yamaha yeah. amp back there and yeah. wayne krantz has got his mark they yeah. just leave it there yeah, they it's leave it. funny to watch i know <laughs> but it sounds great you yeah know? oh yeah you know, it that's sounds the great thing. Yeah, it's new york yeah Watching when we were playing your tune just now, your your right hand. What did you? Who did you listen to to get your that that kind of straight? Uh, oh, I don't know. I didn't. I, you I didn't don't really think listen about to anybody. No. no, I never. You know, I grew up in the '80s, so I, I, <clears throat> there was a lot of shredding going on. Yeah, so did you that ever probably, get into that? Oh, like yeah, learn some, some stuff. Of course, <laughs> like Steve I. Stuff. Yeah. Well, I never got in. I can't play the Steve I stuff, but. I had like Paul Gilbert and Greg oh, Howe yeah, yeah. and Richie Cotson like videos. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. I was into it heavily. Yeah. <laughs> but then I was also into bebop. Uh-huh. It was a very Sounds uh, familiar. weird time in my life. Yeah. It was great, man. That was really... Just think about it. It was awesome. That Some was before the real good guitar playing, yeah. Yeah. Some real good... Like, whether you like the music or not, it's a pretty it virtuosic... Uh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Satriani, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, what I grew up on, you know. It was tough when grunge came in and destroyed that whole thing. One of my favorite <laughs> interviews ever is Dweezil Zapper interviewing Eddie Van Halen. Oh, I yeah. told him Dweezil was on my oh, yeah, on yeah. my podcast, and I told him this on the podcast. I said, Dweezil, you remember that interview you did with Eddie Van Halen? He goes, Yeah. I said, man, I loved it because I read it, and it was every question I ever want to ask Eddie, like, yeah. how many takes did it take you to do eruption? Yeah, yeah. You know, and Dweezil's like knows him since he's a kid. Yeah, of you know? course, yeah. but the, my favorite thing was eddie aren't you sick of nirvana and these grunge bands that you know yeah. they, the solos you know and blah 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 and, and shitty guitar playing yeah. and eddie goes 
you know what? And it's a good answer. I, I agree, actually. Eddie goes, you know what? I think it, even if someone is expressing themselves on one string, yeah. e- even if it's not technically great, it's yeah. still expression and it still true. merits being music, well. which is cool. Yeah. But then Dweezil says, yeah, but I'm sick of solos that suck. <laughs> <laughs> That's that true also. I have another thing I want to bring up to anybody that's an engineer, recording engineer. Like, when did we start tracking and stop recording? You know what I mean? That's sort of a, not a pet peeve, but it's like everything is tracking. Yeah, like yeah Tracking yeah. guitar. I'm tracking. It's yeah, like, yeah. why don't you just say recording? recording? Yeah, like, yeah. What? I thought tracking is when you like do the actual rhythm tracks. Yeah, interesting. And everything else post is recording. <laughs> Maybe because of Pro Tools or something? Like I don't know, tracks. but everything is tracking now you see yeah. on Instagram. Tracking today. Like, yeah. What yeah. are you tracking? Like a bear in the woods? or Maybe you're tracking a bear in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody out there is like, what an asshole. Why does he say that? <laughs> yeah. That one, and he passed. He passed. He died. You know, people say. Oh, passed. passed. Yeah. Like, why is well, it he passed? passed to the next. He uh... passed what? It's a transitive verb. Like, <laughs> he passed what? You, know, you mean he passed away? Yeah. He passed. Yeah. Or, well, I'm not. I'm my English second language. So. No, man. Or here's another one. You, you ever go to a restaurant with somebody it's like you guys decide what you want yeah i'm gonna do the chicken salad yeah and i'll do the it's like you couldn't do it what, hey, what are you gonna why do why don't you just it? order it yeah that's funny <laughs> that's my little you know will's got, rant. A, will's got a bunch of those talk Does to he? him are you gonna interview will yeah he's already been on here oh he's yeah. already done it yeah he, he's like 15 episodes ago he loves the riffraff he listens to all we'll listen to this one yeah, nice. I'll ask him about it because I'm gonna see him coming up. That's my little, my little uh, <laughs> nothing to do with guitar playing. Yeah. yeah. So. funk influences because you got some funky chops man you know i just listen to records you know like james brown of course yeah. earth wind and fire oh yeah al mckay <clears throat> yeah i love that stuff you know a lot of the prince stuff all this stuff that has really cool guitar parts you know like the early all the quincy jones stuff got great stuff like michael jackson like the old stuff it's great rhythm guitar yeah. some shaka khan's got good rhythm guitar i'm sure i'm missing a lot of stuff but you know, between Prince and, uh, and uh, you know, James Brown and Earth, Wind and Fire. I'm, well, that's a lot right there. Yeah. I can't, I'm trying to think who else. But Stevie Wonder. A lot of Stevie oh, Wonder. Oh, yeah. 
Stevie Wonder doesn't have much guitar, but but his whole thing is just so. But Dean Parks played on some of that oh, original true. stuff. And, and a couple, yeah, but it's not much. It's not Michael Cimbello. Cimbello, yeah. He, but that guy was a really good player. Yeah, man. yeah, he played some good solos too. He was a maniac. Yeah, <laughs> that was that tune, but that. Great oh guitar. yeah, you're right. You're that right with a guitar solo. The great guitar solo. I played that. It's he studied true. with Pat Martino actually. Really? Yeah, he's a Philly guy. I think oh, I'm pretty shit. sure. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm. So you know Stevie Wonder, that kind of stuff always influenced me. Till now, I, I like this. Of course, it's yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'm trying to think what else, but I can't think of anything. You know the meters and all that stuff. Meters and. That came later when I moved here. Like, there's a lot of stuff that I wasn't aware of that I moved here and I, I suddenly got turned on to, you know? Right. Some of the Herbie stuff with the Headhunter. Oh, I love course. that stuff, yeah. man. Actual proof. And yeah, all that. actual proof, that stuff, you know? But uh, a lot of it I got turned on to here more than when I was in, before I moved to New York, you know? Yeah, I kind of started listening to uh, stuff and way later, man, like, I only, only found out about ago. stuff when I moved to New York. Yeah, like Cornell Dupree. Yeah, Cornell and Eric Gales and, you know, and Gordon Edwards and, yeah. It's funny, like, I listen to Cornell Dupree and you know, he'll play licks and it's kind of out of tune, but it sounds yeah. great, you know. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> it's always, like, kind of sharp. You know, there was a time <laughs> when I moved to New York, I started to play with a bass player. He's the guy that discovered me in New York, this guy named Frank Canino. He's a good bass player. He used to play with Cornell and all those oh, stuff wow. guys. Yeah. So he turned me on to it. And then <clears throat> there was a short period of a year when Cornell lived in New York, kind of moved back to New York with his wife. And he was doing gigs here all the time. So I used to sometimes sit in with him. And it was just when I moved to New York, so maybe the second year or something, or third year. So I was just getting hip to him, you know? And that was pretty cool because I didn't know that thing exists at all. And he was one of those guys that always sounded the same. Like, you know, he sounded exactly like the records. Plug into a whatever shitty backline Fender Twin. It doesn't matter. It sounded Fender exactly twin. like the yeah, record. It it didn't, he didn't lose anything. It was just that thing, you know? Yeah. yeah. So for a year, I used, to, I used to see him play all the time. Like a lot. There was a lot of things going on with him. And then he moved to Jersey and then at some point he... Maybe he moved back to Texas and then to Jersey. I can't remember, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. an Aretha Franklin live at the Fillmore West. Yeah. That's a great record. Yeah. I don't know if it's Cornell. Maybe it's Eric Gale, but it's yeah. Jerry Jamont, like Bernard Purdy. Who yeah, I saw Purdy, yeah. I saw Purdy play with you at Bitter End one, with Will. Oh, the, yeah. At your Boogaloo. We did thing. like a tour in Asia in Japan and we played the Iridium. You got Purdy. any good uh, Bernard Purdy stories? <laughs> I got a lot that you but, can I share. Can, but I can't Something share Something that's them. sort of G-rated maybe. Uh, I'm looking at your pedal board there with all these cool goodies on it. But if you, I'll just ask you a quick trick question. If you had to go to a gig um, and you could only take one, like let's say you could only take three pedals. I'm yeah. curious because I want to know this. Like what would you take? Um, I'll take a Tube Screamer mm -hmm. or... An exotic, some sort of like the, like I have my pedal. Right, now, you so, have your real. Yeah, but those are two pedals at once, so it doesn't. Well, that's it's still one. RC and AC. Still one power I will take jack. one. I will take that because it's very versatile. Either that or a Tube Screamer 808. I'll take a tremolo of some sort, or a Y. It depends on the gig, and I'll take a delay. That's it. Four slap. Okay, well that's four, but. 
three, so get rid of one. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem, man. Yeah. You know, you know like, I've cool. done, I, I got, I was in Japan, China, I was in tour in Asia, I was in China, and um, one gig, they didn't have a transformer for my pedal board. And it was with my trio, with Wackel and Haslip, and, you know, it was, I had to do my pyrotechnics, and I couldn't do it. So I have this, uh, Vamoran made me this fuzz, it's called, it's got my name on it, it's like mm-hmm. my signature fuzz. And it's a great pedal, and I had that with a battery and a wah. And that's all I could use. I did my whole gig with a fuzz and a wah. Wow. And it was awesome. I'll so bet. to answer your question, if I really had the balls, I would just bring a wah and that fuzz and that'll be it. Life and simple. a delay and I'll be I'll be fine. I'll <laughs> yeah, be just everything fine. And maybe a, a delay. And, oh, and a... <laughs> no, but I did the whole gig with a wah and a I fuzz. And I believe it, was, it man. It was like, great. And it just depends, you know. You, you see guys just like, wow, well, I, I just believe in plugging straight into the amp. It's like, yeah, great, but if you're backing up, you yeah, know, so and so, and you need sound. I think with a, fu- I think, I think, if you have a good fuzz pedal, you can do a lot with a fuzz, mm-hmm. like a lot of different colors that you can't really do with a, with an overdrive. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of colors. Um, I have one of those uh, Dallas Arbit, you know, the ones yeah, that Eric so. uses, Eric Johnson uses. I have one of the prototypes that I made for him. I somehow got a hold of one. And if you just plug it in in your rig, it's very problematic because it's boomy and it's bassy and it's like, it sounds great. It's that real sound. But it, so almost like also, so it's almost like if you use that pedal, you have to tune the amp to the pedal, you know? Oh, yeah. But once you do that, it's freaking awesome. Like, uh, you can just use that pedal and it, you can do a lot of stuff with it. Listen to Lanois, man. He plugs his his gold top into a, whatever, that old fuzz, K-fuzz. Yeah, whatever. there you go. Sounds great. Yeah, man. the fuzz, fuzzes are kind of magical. It's just, you just I have should to get find, a fuzz. I have... You just have to find actually, a right I only have an octafuzz. That's the only fuzz pedal I have. Fuzzes are very tricky to find, like something good that works. There's a lot of things out there, but... Um, it's tricky. is almost becoming you know it's there's no guitar on the radio now at all i just my greatest fear is that the guitar is going to be like the saxophone solo and you know on pop records like everything had yeah. saxophone solos and now i think yeah. it's like wow you're gonna put a guitar solo on it it's so <laughs> cheesy yeah you know well that will go away too though it all comes in cycles you know well man let's play let's play something else yeah i don't know shit 
always got minor blues.
Shit. Shit it is. It's not shit. So what is that guitar? That's a, is that a, a reissue telly? Or is uh, that it's just real? a custom shift telly. It's a 658 telly. Oh, it looks cool. Really? Yeah, it's pretty good. It's got the stock uh, pickup things? Yeah, I never touched anything. I just changed the first or so. Well, I guess we should talk a little bit about pedals, because I know all the guitar players that are going to listen is like, you're sitting with Ozzy, you, know, you don't need to know. I don't know. I mean, you've <laughs> already probably answered this in other interviews, but I actually have a question pertaining to your... Um, the Ozone Squeeze record. Oh, yes. The, the tune called Skylark. Yes. The solo. Yes. Is that an octafuzz? Yes. That's my little trick. I've been doing it for years. Yeah. It's an octafuzz. When you turn, when you use an octafuzz, you turn the vol, you use the bridge pickup and you turn the volume down. I can do, uh, I'm not plugged in. But um, when you turn, take bridge pickup and you turn the volume down, you get that really expressive kind of mm-hmm. almost sitar sound, you know? So that's what it is. A shitar. Just yeah, exactly. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Pretty it's much. A shitar. A shitar. Yeah. It sounds cool, man. So you you are you using because I have one of those pedals and I use it a lot. Are you using the fuzz side or the octave? octave no, always the octave. The one that I have is a Dunlop Octavia. It's like that Hendrix one. Oh, okay. It's great. So yeah. that's what I use. Yeah. yeah, it's a cool sound. Yeah, it's great. You can do a lot of stuff. I use it for a lot of things because. You get all this one just by using the volume knob on the guitar. You get all these really quirky sounds. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. I've been doing it for years. You know, like the the tune we played, the Boogaloo tune. Yeah. I like your tunes the way they they like at the end of a, a section you'll you'll go up a, oh, or, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. or you'll do some chord like out of nowhere, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know. And I think that tune had that too. But uh, and then Dweezil came in with that yeah, crazy Indian nice. shit, yeah, I know. crazy shit. Really good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. That's great. I got you. Oh yeah. The solo, man. What do you like? There's a really fast passage. It, yeah. it sounds like you're cycling something. Like a, I have no idea. I don't, yeah, I'm just yeah, playing something. In, it's like a. It's like the James Brown tune, you know. I, I feel. Well, good. yeah, but what you played is not anything like. Well, that. you know, I played instrumental and I played faster. No, but the the solo part. You well, it's just, over blues, so I'm playing whatever I play over blues, like all my more yeah, was, uh, intricate jazz stuff. I don't know what I've done at the time, at the moment when I played on it.
it's funny like you get sometimes i get like transcriptions of people transcribing my solos you know or people are playing like i see if somebody's playing my solo and i look at sometimes i look at her and go like oh it's not so bad it actually sounds good when somebody else plays it you go like oh it's not bad and sometimes like i was like i don't ha have an idea how i did this like i don't know i probably if i'll figure it out i'll know what it is but i was like how the hell did i have you know right you know? well that means it's that means it's coming from uh you know hopefully a place that's yeah it works fresh out, all you know time. i mean yeah. you ever do that you ever like not listen to your records for a long time and then listen to it and, and either think man it's really shitty or wow this is pretty good uh yeah but it's usually the opposite uh, usually me too, it's like yeah pretty mediocre <laughs> yeah, i don't think so but well you know i gotta be honest there's on each record i've done there's like one or two songs that i think are really good you know and then there's maybe one or two solos on each record that I think are pretty good. And then the rest of it is like, yeah. Plus the other thing is, you know, I make records, all the records I've done till now, they're all low budget. So I can't spend a lot of time in the studio and fuss around with my tone and with this and with that, which is, it could be a good thing, but it's the same thing with mixing. I can't sit and mix a record for a week, you know? So a lot of things that I, I kind of, you kind of have to let go, you know? Yeah. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. But when I listened to it, I was like, oh, I wish I could remix the whole thing. I wish I could play this song. I wish I could, you know what I mean? But what are you going to do? It's like, uh, if I had a lot more you'd, money, I would You'd do. be like uh, Eric Johnson. Yeah. Just release a record every eight years. years yeah. Yeah, yeah. Obsess yeah, got, over it. Exactly, yeah. I, I'm not into that. But that's what comes up, like, a lot of times I listen to. It's rare that I listen to something. I go, like, the tone is good, the mix is good, and I play good. And the tune is good. <laughs> wow. Well, that's, a, that's high standards for yourself, man. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, I'm the same way. Yeah. I, I just don't want to hear like it. That. You know. If other people enjoy it, then that's what's important. Yeah. You know? Exactly. <laughs> I thought it was cool that you had Alan Toussaint on one of your records. And on you were two saying, of them. Two, two, records, two of them. Yeah. Well, you know, he, he, I did Twisted Blues Volume 1. And... I needed a piano solo on something. And Will said, like, yeah, call Alan. And I was like, sure. And I knew his name. I've seen him all around. But I didn't really know who he was. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just knew he was the New Orleans guy. And, da, da, da. and I thought it would really fit the tune. Yeah. So I called him and he came and he played. And you know, you know, you know, Alan? Sure, I knew he him. He's such yeah. a beautiful guy. Yeah. So he was like, and so, you know, so he came and we hang out. It was great. And he came and see me play a couple of times before. But then after he played on the first record, he played a great solo on this Roomba. And th then he used to, every time he was in New York, I was like, yeah, come play with us. And he used to come and play with us a lot. That there's actually a really great video on YouTube when you, we play in CC Strut, and the guy took a, uh, the shot from the video, is his face from his angle. So you see his face and you see all of us in the background. It's really great. Wow, I'll have yeah. to check that out. Yeah, so, you know, but I never knew how heavy it was like i used to call him and ask him yeah. hey, man. <laughs> you know i never really realized how heavy the guys and then he played on the second record also but he was really cool he, he really liked what i was doing you know so he was just down for it yeah. you know on the song of twisted blues, blues volume two i had a slow blues and i knew already that i want him to play over and he just came over and played it was great yeah he's a great Great guy, great song. He actually writer, gave man. me the best compliment I ever got ever in my life. What was that? The first time he came to record, like I said, I usually don't do overdubs, but sometimes if, 
you have to, you have to, you know, especially if it's a steady groove and you don't have to do too much interaction. So I, I had to put this piano solo on this rumba on the Twisted Blues Volume 1 record. So I sent him the track and it, it already had my solo on it, you know. So he, um, he came to the studio, he played great. And then at the end of the session, he goes, hey, you got a CD player, I want to play something. So we played the CD player and he transcribed my solo on the piano note for note and he played the whole solo. He recorded himself playing the whole solo. Yeah, I have it somewhere. He wow. did it. Yeah, yeah I know. Cool. It, it must was have taken a lot of time to do that too. And he loved it. He goes like, "Oh man, it's great stuff in there." I was like, "Wow." Wow. Yeah, yeah Alan liked really good players, man. He 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 let people do their thing. You know, I didn't get to yeah. work with him a lot, but I yeah. did. I did do some recording and a couple. You of know, with... there's a you know I have this version of Sissy Strut when I move the beat like the line a little bit. It's still in four four, but I move right. the phrase. And. <clears throat> I, I'm sure that some of the meters guys wouldn't be so excited about it. But, you know, he produced that track, that whole record. Right. And he played that with me. That video is doing my version. And I remember when we were at the bitter end, I was like, is this cool? He goes like, oh, yeah, it's totally cool. He, he loved, like, new stuff, you know? So I got approval from you the got producer. Approval. <laughs> well, I remember playing Sissy Strut with Art Neville many, many yeah. times. And every time we would go to, uh, you know... Yeah, yeah, I would I would do the Sco you remember Schofield's version? Yes, where it would modulate to A flat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so I would do it, and they stayed in C. <laughs> so I would go instead of I would go. Oh, you go. Oh, and he was. He'd look back like what? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I kept playing it anyway because yeah, I had yeah, to, yeah. you know Sco's thing was pretty hip. Yeah. Yeah. I always like go to the A flat, but yeah. You know, that thing's become like Mustang Sally or something. It is. But I like the way you, you did it. What's the concept behind Twisted Blues, that, that whole concept behind those records? Okay, so when, <clears throat> in the beginning there was no concept. I was just writing tunes that kind of turn into be more bluesy, you know? But, you know, I wrote something with a Holton scale, turned out to be Holton Blues. Then I wrote all these Roombas that had more advanced chords. <clears throat> so then when, when I was done with my uh, schizophrenic record, I had those tunes and I thought... Wow, this is kind of more in a bluesier kind of way. So let me take all these blues forms and try to kind of expand them harmonically and rhythmically too. So that's how that was the idea behind the Twisted Blues records. So I think <clears throat> I did pretty good because I kind of I had like a six-four blues there and like um, like some weird like I I was able to find some weird forms that were kind of right. cool. Like they're not the usual stuff. It's still some blues, but it's not the usual stuff. Which kind of got me thinking recently about, you know, like 
kind of the state of the blues to of blues today. I thought about it where you know like in jazz jazz developed all like jazz like it started as Dixie music, then it turned into bebop, then it turned into hard bop, then it turned into a lot of other things that are all today and they're all great. But every time when I'm thinking about blues, it hasn't really gone anywhere. It's almost like if it was equal to jazz, it's almost like it stayed in bebop. Like everybody's really precious about sounding like BB King of Buddy Guy, or which is great. Those guys are the innovator, but I it it's been it's been kind of like why does people not expanding that a little more? Because everything I hear, like really, Stevie Ray Vaughan was the last guy that had his own sound and voice. Stevie Ray Vaughan, Eric Johnson. The only other guy I can think of these days that have his own voice that expanded the blues is Derek Trucks. Mm-hmm. I can't really think about anybody else. It's almost like everybody else that's playing blues just tried to copy what was done. And what was done is great. And what's done today is like they, some of those guys copied great. But I don't understand why people there, don't. Well, yeah, there, there tend to be a lot of purists. That exactly. You, There's like way too much purism in yeah. blues today. If you would have... Like if you were kind of take that and compare it to jazz, it would mean that bebop would have been still the main form of jazz today, right. which is kind of ridiculous. Jazz has been gone so far. Even even like you know thinking about Wes Montgomery, that was a revolutionizing revolutionizing jazz guitar. You know, since then, Pep Metheny, Schofield, Frizzell, Mike Stern came. Since then, like Kurt Rosenwinkel, right. I don't know, Mike Moreno, Nir Felder, Gilad Exelman, there's like right. tons of guys, and it's all different stuff, and it's all great. I don't understand why in the blues world, people don't kind of push the envelope. And I'm not talking about playing out of the, like, of jazz harmonies, like what I did. I just took right. blues forms, and I put jazz harmonies on them, and yeah. play my jazz stuff. I'm just talking about coming up with your own voice within the style. I think maybe yeah, you're right. I'm trying to my. I've been thinking like about it a through. lot. Maybe recently. Larry Carlton might have done some. Larry, yeah, Larry yeah. and uh, Robin Ford. Especially and Larry. in the '80s, Larry yeah. was doing you know back. Yeah, uh, Larry and Robin. And really. Robin, that that talked yeah. to your daughter. That was kind of yeah, like, yeah, true. That was sort of a commercial thing too. Yeah, but everything I hear blues like I, I don't hear anything new. That's I like, don't really know much about. It. I'm not qualified to really. Like blues can be also like R and B ish. Because I don't really listen. To, yeah, I don't listen to a lot of blues. But, but. Uh, it's really interesting that that part never got kind of really. It's not. It's not that it hasn't been developed. Right. Like you know, like Joe Bonamassa is an amazing player, right. but there's nothing new. You know, he just does what he does really, really well. But I think that's what appeals, that's what brings people to blues is the familiarity and the simplicity. You know, you don't have to have... Possible. It's easy listening almost for the ear. You know where a chord, even if you don't have any sort of training in music, you know the chord's going to go to a four chord. Even though you don't know that you know it. Yeah. Maybe that's it. It it just sounds familiar. I mean... Nobody takes chances. Let's put it like that in the blue. It's like it's very pure. There's a lot of... Purism and it's always what do they call those it? Sounds. the blues Nazis? You know? Yeah, you can call it the blues Nazis. That's what it's kind yeah, of like the bebop Nazis. Yeah. It's the same thing. But in jazz, they were able to get away from to break out of that. In blues, it's still as strong as ever. You know, which is which I found really interesting. I, you know, I'm not like a blues player, so but I like that stuff. You yeah. Know? yeah. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Anyhow, man. it's just a point that I've been thinking about recently. Yeah. Do a blues. A little short, little jam. So. man yeah, sounded course, beautiful you. you too second time's a charm they yeah. say so I'm, I'm have faith is this gonna come out this time so <laughs> all right man cool. now show me that Les Paul all right if you're still listening thanks a lot yeah Oz was selling a Les Paul that was beautiful yeah I really thought about that one but I need another guitar like a hole in the head but if you're looking for a less ball, he's, maybe he still has it. It's beautiful. Anyway, thanks so much for listening. 
As always, love your comments, ratings, all that stuff. Tune in next time. <laughs>